Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I was told by my supervisor that... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The park ranger in the next district over had requested assistance. He had some sort of reports of something attacking people deep in the woods at nighttime. I wasn't exactly sure what to expect, but I remember thinking maybe it's just a hunter mistaking an elk for a man, although this notion was quickly dismissed because it was not hunting season. But I do know people hunt illegally, so I don't know. I was just trying to think of anything I could, so I go and meet up with the ranger, and we quickly get to work finding any evidence he may have missed. We split up to cover more ground. It didn't take long before dark started setting in. The forest soon became very ominous, looking at night. One sure way from civilization, we were exploring different trails, and I hear a rustling. I called out to the other park ranger in response. That's when I hear things breaking around me. Whatever it was, was coming closer. I decided it would be best for me to turn around to investigate what is in the woods. I turned around very slowly, looking into the darkness of the trees. There's nothing but thick timber all around. Everywhere you look, there seems to be darkness. But something big was getting closer and closer, and now I could begin to make out a shape. It was dark brown with black markings all over, and I see these orange eyes glowing brighter and brighter as it begins moving towards me faster. 
until it stops. I couldn't make out the details, but it was big, having a raw spikes going down its back like long spines. The way it moved, it sounded like metal scraping against metal. Then it kind of disappeared. I didn't see it again, but I knew it was around me. It's like it just wanted to make itself known, to let me know that it was there. So I quickly pulled up my service pistol, ready for this thing. Although I never saw it again, but I could still hear it, probably about ten feet off in the wood line. Waiting, lingering, hiding in the shadows. The other ranger finally met back up with me, telling me he had a bad feeling. I explained to him that some large animal was trying to stalk us, and I believed it to be an unknown predator. He told me he'd believed me, and he'd felt the strange sensation of being watched and stalked. He was concerned that it was a very large mountain lion, but I knew, based on what little I saw, it was actually something else entirely. I'm going to share a story with you from a few years ago, back when I was still a ranger. I don't know how many of you have been to Fall Creek Falls in Tennessee, but it's an absolutely gorgeous state park. It's well known for its waterfalls, but let me tell you something about the forest there. This was around 10.30 p.m. on a weeknight. I was working my shift, and I had to go out of service for about an hour to go and get some paperwork done, so one of the other rangers agreed to cover for me. It's dark by 9 p.m. in the summer at that latitude. It was pitch black when I began to drive out of the park. As I was driving out, I noticed several deer running alongside my truck. At first, it didn't really concern me if Fall Creek Falls is known to be home to the largest population of white tailed deer in any state east of Mississippi. Unbeknownst to me at the time, there had also been a lot of predator activity. They were beginning to become a nuisance, and they had also been attacking local livestock. So as I was driving down the scenic road, several more deer began running alongside me. They were keeping pace with my truck for a while, but eventually they peeled away from the road. I didn't think anything of it, and just kept on going. Thirty minutes later, while I was stopped at a red light in town, a deer had run right up to the passenger side of my truck. It wasn't attacking me or anything, and just trotted along the bumper for a little while, then ran off into the brush on the other side of the road. I'm not sure how much of you know about deer behavior, but they typically don't act like this. When they see headlights coming their way, they turn away and run from them. So what was happening here? Well, I didn't find out until later. After seeing three or four deer running alongside my truck for thirty minutes uninterrupted, something else from the forest joined them, and it was facing me. That's when I realized these poor deer had been chased out and hunted by something. Of course, when this was going on, I didn't think too much of it. Deer are typically skittish, and they're not always comfortable around people, hence why this behavior was so bizarre. So for them to act like this means there was something else nearby. I really wanted to see what was making them act like this, so I kept driving towards the west side of town. The whole way, every street light I passed, I would try and look over my shoulder at the car behind me every few seconds to make sure it wasn't getting too close. So every time a deer ran alongside me or crossed in front of my truck, I'd start scanning the woods along the road for whatever was lurking in the darkness. 
I eventually got home without further incident and went inside to get some rest. The next day I went back out. It turned out that one of the other rangers had found a dead deer on the side of the road near where I actually saw them running right along with my truck. Judging by how much damage was done to the carcass, it looked like it had been killed by something really big with very sharp claws and teeth. And we're talking bigger than a bear. I'll never forget what happened next. Well, roughly about two weeks later, I was finishing up work right around the same time, and another ranger had come up to me and asked me if I'd seen anything odd lately. He just said he came back from making his rounds and he'd seen a tall, dark figure off in the forest to the left. I remember kind of chuckling and asking what he meant. He told me he tried to track it down but couldn't find anything that matched what he'd seen. No bent-down grass, nothing bedding down, no footprints, nothing. And so I told him what happened to me. We decided to stick around for a little while longer, and then we started talking about our favorite movies. Then we hear this loud howl coming throughout the trees. This howl was coming deep within the woods, but it did not sound like any animal native to Tennessee or even North America that we knew of. It sounded like some kind of cross between a wolf howl and a coyote yelp mixed with a deep guttural bellow. We heard it again a few seconds later, this time directly behind us, just on the other side. That's when we looked at each other and both just started to slowly back away. I don't know how much you know about animal behavior, but when wolves or coyotes start howling like that, they're either calling out to their pack mates that they found food, or they're giving away their location so another member of the pack can come in for the kill. We kept moving back slowly, and as soon as we were far enough away to take cover, we got out of there. The next day, I went back to see the deer carcass, and it was even in worse condition. Huge jagged teeth marks all over, similar to what you might see on an alligator kill. This was no doubt in my mind, whatever had made these wounds wasn't some kind of wild animal. This looked like the result of something that was non-human, that had very, very large teeth. The incident at Fall Creek Falls isn't the strangest thing that's happened to me while working as a ranger for the state park. I lived in the suburbs on a cul-de-sac, where across the road was a forest, which eventually backed up onto a river. One late night around midnight, my dog was scratching at the front door, wanting to be let out to pee. Usually, I'd just let her out in the backyard, but it being a nice summer night anyway, I put her on a leash and walked her across the street to the forest so she could do her business. But as soon as we got across the street, she started tugging on the leash and growling, looking towards the forest. I looked up and noticed a dozen twinkling lights coming from the otherwise pitch-black forest, as if people were shining flashlights in my direction. Freaked out, I picked my dog up and ran all the way home, locking the door behind me. The next part is going to sound like a complete lie, but I really could not make this shit up. It's haunted me for years. So if anyone has any explanation as to what I witnessed, please help me out. I ran up to my bedroom, which had a pretty good view of the forest, and I began watching out my window. I saw about a dozen men walk out of the forest carrying flashlights. They looked like they were wearing suits, 
but the only light I had was a street lamp, so they may have just been wearing full black outfits. A couple of them held briefcases, and about four of them were carrying a door. Yep, just a random door off of its hinges. Then, trailing behind them, was a woman in a white dress. They walked to the middle of the cul-de-sac, where the girl proceeded to lift up her dress, squat and pee in the middle of the street. It was then that my neighbor down the road, who I'm guessing saw the flashlights through his window, started screaming, Hey, what the F are you doing? Calmly, the group of people turned around, walked down the cul-de-sac across the street and back into the forest. I remember waking up my parents, who truly believed I had just had a bad dream until the next morning, when all of our neighbors were outside talking about the occurrence. I remember word traveled around the block, and then everyone at my high school was talking about it. I don't remember if anyone got law enforcement into it, but it was a pretty big topic for weeks. I never saw these people again. There were rumors like that. They were a cult. Vampires, time, travelers, etc. I don't really believe in that shit, so I really have no clue what to say about it. On Saturday, September 9, 2023, my wife and I were driving north on U.S. 24 at Rice Lake, Illinois. It was about 7.45 p.m., and dusk was setting in. Without a warning, a large, maybe seven-foot-tall, light-colored, hairy, upright creature crossed in front of us, right to left, at a distance of 150 feet or so. The creature literally crossed the highway in two, three seconds. Both of us got a very good look at it. There was a pickup truck in the other lane at the time, and this creature crossed directly in front of it. There is no way that they missed seeing it. In fact, when I passed the pickup after the crossing, the man gained speed and didn't look in our direction. We both believed that we witnessed a Bigfoot. I have lived in Illinois all my life and never believed in the sightings. But now I am somewhat confused by what we saw. I asked a few acquaintances about our sighting, but they didn't want to speculate. One friend suggested I contact you after searching Google. The creature was massive in the body, and the hair was light in color, kind of a dirty blonde hue. I want to remain anonymous, but thought that it was important to report our sighting. Thank you. This happened just last night, and I'm still pretty creeped out. I was heading home from work on my bike, not hiking. I know, but whatever. I work from 2 to 11, so I head home on the late side every night. I was riding through the harbor to my house when I hear just the loudest, most ungodly shriek I can imagine behind me. I'm going pretty fast, so I don't worry about it too much. Probably just a weird homeless person I can easily outpace. Then I hear it again, but it's coming from somewhere totally different. The first one was behind me. This one was sort of a head to the left. Every time I hear this, it seriously sounds like a person being murdered or something. I lost count of how many different screams I was hearing at around eight different sources. Naturally, I'm booking it at this point, but here's the thing. My bike is old and not in great shape. It has a tendency to jump the chain when I shift to heavily. This paired with the fact that getting out of the harbor requires a fairly steep climb. I was just about shitting myself. 
I don't know if I was actually being chased, but it sure as hell felt like it. The freakiest part was when I was just getting up to the top of the hill outside the harbor. I looked back. I wear a head-mounted light at night for safety. I whip around and see probably five or six pairs of eyes reflecting the light back at me, but whatever they belonged to was just out of the cone of bright light. I think they were dogs. At least that's what I keep telling myself. But goddamn, those screams seriously scared me more than I've been in years. A few nights ago, I was outside smoking in the cool night air. About halfway through settling my nicotine demons, I heard a faint, so faint that it was almost non-existent, knocking sound. Just a few slow taps, like a kid hitting a tree with a stick. Seeming how I live right next to a thick wooded area, I shrugged it off as some animal. A few moments tapped when I heard the noise that has been haunting me for the past few days. The sound itself is hard to describe. Imagine a duck mixed with a frog in a broken turkey call, but with a guttural twang to it. The sound was so unsettling, I've never heard anything like it, and I've lived in the woods most of my life. Then the knocks continued, slow repetitions followed by that horrible sound. It was still faint, distant even. I was able to finish off my cigarette and kind of ignore it. The next night I noticed the same knocking followed by that sound, but it sounded much closer, as if it was just out of sight beyond the tree line. It was loud and clear now, and that sound sent shivers down my spine. Then the knocking started to become audible from different parts of the woods, and the sound was produced by more than one thing. I was trying to focus on my cigarette so I could finish it and go back in but the sound became overwhelming. My paranoia kicked in as the sound surrounded me, and I started sweating. I got the feeling that I was being watched, that something was stalking me. After a few seconds of the harmony of sound straight from a nightmare, I had to nip my cigarette in the bud and go inside. I didn't sleep well last night. The sounds were so close that they might as well be right outside my house. My girlfriend is visiting her family, so I'm here all alone, which is making my paranoia act far worse than usual. I tried to turn up the TV so that I couldn't hear it, and that worked until I decided to sleep. I'm the kind of guy who likes to sleep in total darkness, but when I was lying down, I heard a soft taping on my window. Shortly after, I heard the god-awful sound that those things make. My blinds were shut and my curtain was pulled over so nothing could see out or in. I didn't bother looking out, though. I was too terrified. I really need some advice. I've gotten hardly any sleep and I can only leave my house in confidence during the daytime. Simply leaving my house isn't an option and my girlfriend will be coming home next week. I've told no one about this yet. How could I explain these things? Anything that you may have to offer would be much appreciated. Thanks in advance, guys. Part 2. A few days had passed from my first post, and things were continuing as they had been for weeks. The knocking slash growling, or whatever you want to call it, continued every night. It seemed to stay just outside of my tree line, and I did my best to ignore it. Last Saturday, I heard a loud sound in the middle of the night. I waited until the morning to investigate. 
When I walked outside with my cigarette the next day, a large section of my fence was broken down, bent in a very unusual fashion. I uh, took pictures of it, and I can I can upload them to MGUR or something if anyone is interested. Anyway, at this point, I broke down and confronted my neighbor to see if he had anything to tell me about this. He seemed distant about the subject, but he told me that he used to camp out in the woods when hunting, and that he began to experience the same type of thing. Not wanting to tell him that it terrified me, I told him about the fence and how it was becoming hard to sleep because of the noise. He suggested an idea that I was scared to follow through with at first, but we wound up doing after sharing a bottle of Jack Daniels and discussing our ideas about what we were dealing with, the plan went into motion. Our blood fused with whiskey and pumping through our veins. Some warm clothes and two shotguns. We sat outside the following Tuesday night. We sat in the shadow of the barn that sits by my fence in silence, solemnly passing the bottle back and forth. The sounds kicked up around 12 a.m., so we sat perfectly still and waited for something, anything to happen. The rustling in the woods got louder, the growls got more intense, and my grip on that shotgun was like a castaway clinging to driftwood. I began to wonder what the F we were thinking. We didn't even know what was running through our woods. Crack. My neighbor's shotgun shot off as a stick cracked directly behind us. We both spun around, half falling over, and obviously terrified. Nothing was there, but as the resonance from the gunshot died down, so did the rustling and growling. We both stood there for a good ten minutes, just staring into the darkness. Silently agreeing that we had done enough, we parted ways and went back to our houses. The new silence that engulfed my house was even more unpleasant than the constant and overwhelming knocking. I could hardly concentrate. I had become so used to the sounds that the absence of them drove me wild. I eventually got myself to get some sleep, but it wasn't deep sleep by any means. The rest of that week, even leading up to tonight, escalated from returning to normal to hell on earth. My girlfriend came home two nights ago, and I have yet to tell her about the occurrences. I'm running out of things to do, and it seems that every night the darkness is inching closer, and the knocking is worse than ever. When the knocking did start up again, it was worse. It was less of a hushed thing, and now it was loud, angry-sounding. The knocking was also at closer intervals, but the episodes of knocking and growling last shorter amounts of time. Again, I'm sorry for the slow update, and I know this post is probably all messed up, but I've barely gotten any sleep lately. I'll do my best to clean this up if it needs it, and I'll keep you all updated as events occur. I always try to drive at night as much as possible. There is much less traffic, and my plans were to get a motel room in Peoria, grab some sleep, and visit my sick friend in the morning. I was driving through an area with a fairly narrow strip of pretty thick woods on both sides and a large body of water called Rice Lake quite close on the other side of the trees to my right. There was almost no other traffic, and I had slowed down a little in fear of a deer running out in front of me. Well, something did run out in front of me, but it was definitely not a deer. It was obviously a Bigfoot. I knew that as soon as I saw it. 
but it didn't look like what I expected one to look like if I ever had the chance to see one. It was well over six feet tall, maybe even topping seven feet, and was covered all over with fairly long hair, maybe four to six inches. But the most striking thing about it was that its hair was white. Actually, it wasn't snow white, but instead had kind of a slight cream-colored tint to it. I have never heard of a white Bigfoot before. It was not actually running, but its steps were so long that it was covering quite a bit of ground with each one. It never did turn its head to face me completely, just kind of glanced in my direction as if to make sure I wasn't too close. But from what I could tell, it had thinner hair on its face and looked pretty well like a human. Because of his color, I tried to get a look at the eye color, since an albino of any species usually has pink eyes. These were definitely dark in color, probably brown. I found you on the internet and needed an explanation of something I saw last October while bow hunting. I lived just east of Little Rock and make my way to Sebastian County when the season opens. There's a man who owns a farm with woods who I've known for many years, so he lets me come on his land to hunt. He told me a while back that he doesn't like to go into the woods anymore because there were people seeing too many weird things. I never saw anything weird until the last time I was there. When I got to his house that morning, we talked over coffee. Then I made my way towards the woods. I guess it was in the low 60s and clear. It had rained for a few days, which made me happy because the wet ground in the woods would make less noise when walking. I took the usual trail along the edge until I reached the ridge where I would take cover in the rocks. As I got near the rocks, I saw something moving on the ground. I stopped walking and stood still about 40 feet away. It was an injured deer moving around, but it just didn't look right. The legs weren't kicking and the head was still. The body was sliding away from me. I stepped into the woods and walked nearer on an angle so I could see what was going on. As I moved closer, I quickly froze. At first I thought it was a huge snake dragging the deer, but as my eyes adjusted to the low light, I don't think my brain wanted to believe what my eyes were seeing. I needed a better look, so I slowly moved closer and then crouched down behind a pair of rocks. I'll swear on the good book it looked like a giant centipede. It was dark-colored and thick, maybe compared to a stovepipe. It was side-winding back and forth as it pulled the deer along, so it was hard to tell how long it was. I'd guess that it measured ten feet or more. There must have been a hundred legs on this thing. The body had segments all along its length. It was pulling the deer by the hindquarters and tail. I know I sound crazy, but I watched it for a good while. I followed it down the ridge into the hollow. It didn't stop moving until it reached a pile of rocks as it tried to pull the carcass over it. It let go of the deer and raised up. I'll never forget the eyes as they looked my way. It laid down on the deer and watched me. That was enough because I didn't want to mess with it. If I had a gun, I may have taken a shot at it, but I wasn't sure what an arrow would do. I didn't have my cell phone with me. I slowly backed away, then turned and quickly walked back towards the farmhouse. I didn't mention anything to the farmer other than I wasn't feeling well and needed to go home. 
I haven't been back since, but I do want to go back soon and see if there is a trace of it. I haven't told a single person what I saw, but I will because I want some backup when I go back into those woods. You asked me for a sketch or photo, so I attached the best picture I could find. The head and eyes are similar. Real weird. The body was rounder and thicker in comparison. I give you my permission to use my story, but don't give out my name and phone number. As I told you before, if I find anything else, I'll let you know right away. Thanks for getting back to me. Back in 2001, I was visiting my great uncle in the region around Careville, Texas. At the time, he was living in his first house in the area before he moved to a retirement community near a small set of trees. The trees were beautiful, really, as is the hill country. I was staying with him and my great aunt for about a week when we went out for an evening to walk his dachshund as we tended to do in the evenings. The walk was uneventful as the sun set, just a normal evening, complete with the calls of doves and other wildlife, and the dog just had a wonderful time. Then suddenly all the wildlife went deafeningly silent and both of us froze, as did the dog. I remember having a distinct sense of unease and fear that I could not quite explain, and the dog looking directly into a specific area near a street light, my eyes turning to where the dog was looking. There was a creature loping through there, a dog-like thing about the size of a large Labrador retriever. Save that on the creature's neck, there was a head the size of a bear. The thing was loping up and down and up and down in a way that fitted that kind of build. It looked hypnotic in a sense, and I was more terrified than I have ever been with anything else I ever saw. It gave me a visceral understanding of Lovecraft's idea that things that just look fundamentally wrong are terrifying precisely because the proportions do not fit. That thing was powerfully built. The upper limbs in particular were very stout, and the dog remained frozen for another few minutes before we moved back to the house. I'm not sure what precisely that was, or if it was a dogman, but it convinced me that something like that could exist. The sudden silence that lasted for a few minutes after it left, and the dog just being frozen without even growling or barking still sends chills in me when I remember it. As my only encounter was something like a cryptid, too, it remains something very vivid in my mind, not least because I know how dogs move. I know what wolves would move like, and whatever that was, it was no natural thing that made sense. About 13 years ago, I came face to face with a giant animal in San Jose, California. I've only shared my story with close friends. I was Cat, sitting at my boyfriend's aunt's house. He was in the bathroom. I walked into the living room, which has a sliding glass door that leads to the backyard. It was dark out, I don't recall the time. I looked over and saw an animal about six, seven feet tall. It had two eyes on its hind legs with an arched back, and it had long claws on its paws. Its hind legs were short. It was a few inches away from the glass, just looking in at me. I screamed. It turned around slowly, got down on all four, and left. I ran to my boyfriend. I told him. 
To be honest, at the time, I thought I'd seen some giant monster raccoon. My aunt had a ton of raccoons in her backyard. We had just seen one by the door. She would feed the stray cats. She had a big kitty litter bucket full of kibble right outside the door. The raccoons would actually pull the lid off the bucket and eat away. The animal I saw was standing right by the kibble in the same place we would see the raccoons. She doesn't do that anymore. I never told her what I saw. Most likely she would think I was crazy. She has a fenced backyard, but it was in rough shape. The portion by the front yard was not. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Lockdown. So I told a few close friends and they believed me. I think I did Google back then just to find nothing I let it go as just a big raccoon. I don't know why, but the past few months it has been bothering me, wondering what was that, what happened that night. I have never heard the term cryptid, never believed in Bigfoot or anything like that. I started searching online to explain this. The closest thing I could find online that was close to what I saw was a description of a giant ground sloth. Was this what I saw? It actually made a lot of sense to me. I have not heard of anyone else seeing this around here. I would greatly appreciate it if you have heard any stories like mine to let me know. Thanks. It was around 10, 20 p.m. on June 7, 2021, and I was getting ready for bed, so I had to take my dog for a walk. I took her to the end of the street, which is usually where we turn around and go back home, but it started to rain. Both of us loved the rain, so I decided to keep going. We walked about 10 more minutes down to Highland Park and just sat at a picnic table for a while, just enjoying the rain. That was when I started feeling this weird sort of fear, as if there was some predator watching me from the woods. Eventually, the fear grew too strong. I got up in speed, walked away. From there, we went down to the lagoon, a retired sewage pond that had been recently drained, and I decided to walk all the way around it. But the fear still went on and got stronger. I could have sworn something was stalking me, so I just bolted. I ran as fast as I could for as long as I could. When I stopped to catch my breath, I looked around to check for predators and saw nothing, until I looked up. Hovering above, there were two triangular shapes, for lack of a better term, flying machines. They were a dark sort of hazy gray, with a faintly glowing red dome on the bottom, and three bright white lights coming off of each corner. The two of them circled each other in what appeared to be very well organized. I stood still and stared at them for approximately three minutes. I found watching them very calming until one of them stopped and suddenly I was engulfed in a white light. I could not see anything and I was frightened out of my wits, but then I suddenly calmed instantly. I wasn't even out of breath anymore and the light went away and by that time both of them were gone. 
I thought nothing of it at first, and just speed, walked home. But when I got home, it was 3, 17 a.m., five hours after I left. From my perspective, I thought I had been gone for maybe 45 minutes. The next day, while at work, I kept getting memory flashes of being on a platform in an all-white room surrounded by tall, nude, blonde people. I also had memory flashes of being released from the platform and trying to mingle with the tall, nude, blonde people who I suspect to have been Nordic aliens, or what are referred to as Pleiadians, and they all looked like they were scared of me. One of their hands glowed blue and slapped me in the face. For now, that's all I remember. But every second day or so, I get another memory flash. People talk about lost time scenarios and possible abductions. I am fairly convinced that is what happened to me. I just don't know why they would assault me. Slapping my face was not necessary. In fact, I had a red mark and a slight bruise on my left cheek for several days. There's something else I don't understand. What happened to my dog during my abduction? Did she accompany me, or was she placed into a state of limbo during the event? Nothing else has occurred since the incident. But I never want to experience anything like that again. I live in Salisbury, New Brunswick, Canada. When the third call came in, we knew we had a problem. They all described the same thing. A man in a black jacket following them at a distance as they hiked through the forest. The man didn't say anything. He had a hood pulled tight over his head. No one saw his face. All three sightings occurred up over the ridge to the west of the station. Someone had to go and take a look. Jim and I played a lightning game of rock, paper, scissors. It's like the man can read my mind. I clipped a radio to my belt and jumped in the truck. Hikers often report seeing something strange out in the forest. The dark spaces between the trees play tricks on the mind that in the isolation, but three sightings within a week describing the exact same thing ruled out a simple case of imagination in overdrive. Someone was out there, the question was who and why. I rambled up the slope as far as the truck would take me and then jumped out. I still had to negotiate the worst part of the ridge. The slope gets steep in parts and is hell on your legs. It made me think. Why has someone been spotted way up here on three different days across the space of a week? No one lived up this way. It wasn't a place for folk on a daily walk. A pang of fear gripped my stomach. Should I have come alone? I crested the slope and reached for my radio, and then I saw him, a silhouette mingling with the shadows between the thin trunks of birch. He was the length of a football field from me, black jacket and a hood. He half-turned in my direction and took a step forwards. In a strange way, it gave me comfort. If there were any nefarious reason for him to be out here, I'd have expected him to retreat into the woods. Even at this distance, he couldn't fail to recognize my ranger uniform. As I came within a distance where I could call to him without yelling, I raised a hand in greeting. I strained to see his face, but a deep and dark shadow obscured his features. I opened my mouth to say hello but before any sound came out, he turned and strode into the forest. I called after him, but he continued to thread his way through the trees. I skipped a few paces to bridge the gap between us. 
Within touching distance, I reached out, and a strange sensation flowed through my fingertips. It felt like a controlled release of electricity, not painful, almost like a severe case of pins and needles. Before I could retract my hand, a brilliant light flooded my vision. I shut my eyes and covered them with my hands. Somehow the light shone through. I cried out and stopped dead in my tracks. And then the light was gone. I opened my eyes. I stood in a clearing. The sun streamed down through the gap in the trees. At the center of the clearing stood an old stone well, the walls extending up to about waist height above the ground. I had seen structures like this around town, relics of frontier times. That a well would be out here in the middle of the forest, far from any settlement, past or present, was baffling. The man in black stood behind Will and motioned me toward it. I approached the well, adrenaline sending my heart into a frenzy. Why did he let me out here? The sun warmed my shoulders from above. Despite the bright sunshine, the man's face remained shrouded in shadow. He pointed to the well. I stopped a few paces short. Something about this wasn't right. Everything about this wasn't right. Did he mean to throw me down? A voice sounded in my head. It did not come via my ears, but seemed to somehow feed directly into my brain. You must look. I watched the man suspiciously and inched closer to the well. The mortar between the stones crumbled and moss stained the outside face green. This well was old. I saw something strange on the inside face. Writing. Something carved into the stone. It read, Truth lies at the bottom of a well. What truth? I peered down. The shaft was deeper than I expected. Black shadows shrouded the walls at the base. All was dark except a sliver of light reflecting off the water sitting at the bottom. The reflection shimmered as if tiny waves swept over the water. I lowered my head and squinted. An image appeared in the bottom like a movie projected onto a screen. The image sharpened and came into focus. The forest at night under a full moon. Mist mingled with the trees. I felt the cold. I did not imagine it, but felt it. My skin prickled and I shivered. A road snaked up through the forest. I recognized it. It is a few minutes north of the ranger station. A figure walked beside the road. He wore a black jacket. The hood pulled up over his head. It was the same man who led me out here. A set of headlights flickered through the trees and then came into focus. The man in black stuck out a thumb. The images cut to the inside of the car. For a moment, a bottle of whiskey obscured the identity of the driver. When the bottle lowered, it was Jim who appeared. Music blared from the radio. The revs on the dial pushed into the red. I turned away from the movie playing at the bottom of the well. This was madness. The man in black, the hitchhiker, pulled back his hood. His face was youthful and innocent, but there was something wrong. His skin wrinkled and pulled away from his eyes, revealing a ring of red around the perimeter. Two black holes were where his nose should be. Blood poured from his mouth and a few teeth were missing. The temple on the right side was caved in. I took a step back and cried out. I almost turned to run, but the hitchhiker held up his palms. He pointed down the well. I hesitated. The words repeated in my brain. You must look. My legs were jelly. My mind was torn. Part of me wanted to run and get as far away as possible, 
and the other part wanted to see what was down at the bottom of that well. I stepped forward and looked down. The projection at the bottom of the well resumed. The bottle of whiskey slipped from Jim's grasp. One hand pulled and pushed the steering wheel as the other fumbled at his feet for the bottle. The truck drifted and then overcorrected. The man in black stood by the side of the road with his thumb outstretched, had no chance. The truck skidded to a stop. Jim breathed rapidly from behind the wheel. He searched the rear vision mirror and found a black lump at the side of the road. He turned to confirm what the mirror told him. He put the truck in gear and drove. He rounded the next bend and stopped. The road was quiet. He killed the headlights and reversed. Under the pale light of the moon, Jim dragged the hitchhiker off the side of the road and into the forest. He came to a gully and tumbled down the bank. Jim scrambled back up the slope and pulled the hitchhiker down. Jim paused for a moment at the bottom, watching the face of the hitchhiker, before setting to work covering the body with branches and leaves. The moon grew and brightened until the light forced me to close my eyes. When I opened them, I was back in the forest. The clearing and the well and the man in the black jacket were gone. I walked back to my truck. I sat there for 15 minutes before starting the engine and driving back. I searched the parking lot for Jim's truck. It wasn't there. Jim narrowed his eyes when he saw me. I didn't blame him. I was white as a sheet and knew it. He asked me what I saw and I told him nothing. I stammered a question about his truck. He paused and licked his lips and told me it was in the shop. I told two lies the following morning. The first was to our boss. I told him we'd had another call about a man in a black jacket and that Jim and I would take a look. The second was to Jim. I told him we had a report of a tree down on a walking trail and we had to go clear it up. We got in the truck. I took the road I saw in the vision at the bottom of the well. I knew the curve when you take a road every day you get to know it, almost to a point you could drive it with your eyes closed. I stopped right at the spot where Jim had smashed into the hitchhiker. Jim looked over at me, confused. Which walking trail were we going to? His hands shook. I got out of the truck and instructed him to follow. We were taking a shortcut. I had to see it for myself. If what I had seen in the well was the truth, then the boy might still be there in the gully where Jim left him, and I had to know if it was Jim. And the only way to do that was to have him there, to see the look on his face, to see it in his eyes that it was him. Jim fell behind, and I barked at him to keep up. We were almost at the gully. I turned back, and Jim had stopped. He implored me to turn back. I kept going. The gully fell away below my feet. At the bottom partially hidden below a stack of branches, was a figure wearing black. I shouted back to Jim. I told him something was down there. He begged me to stop. I unclipped the radio from my belt and called it in. Jim's shoulders fell. He ran a hand through his hair. He searched the slivers of sky visible through the trees for answers. For a split second, his mouth turned downwards like a child about to cry. I had him. But a moment later, all fear left his face. He sighed. He strode confidently to the crest of the gully and looked down. He told me I was right and that there was something down there. I searched his eyes. I looked for guilt. I saw only Jim, the guy who worked at the desk on the other side of the partition. How could he be so calm? How could he not break down and confess? 
The police came and retrieved the body. They identified the hitchhiker, an 18-year-old runaway escaping an abusive father. Two officers interviewed me in a small room. I told them we had found the body by accident. They found it strange we had reports of a man matching the hitchhiker's description from the last week. I agreed, but I, I could not explain it. There was no way I could tell them about the well and what I saw in the bottom. I only told them that I thought it was strange that Jim suddenly didn't have his truck. This produced furrowed brows. I only repeated that I wanted them to look into it. Whether the police investigated or not, I cannot say. Jim's truck never resurfaced. He says he sold it. The death was classified as an accident, as in no suspect or witness was ever identified. I know the truth, and so does Jim, but I can't prove it. I still sit at the desk on the other side of the partition. If it plays on Jim's mind, he never gives anything away. One night I left a note in his letterbox that said, I know it was you. He has never mentioned it. I see the hitchhiker in my dreams, the headlights from Jim's car lighting his face in the last moments of his life. There is nothing I can do for him. Sometimes I go out to the forest and search for the well. I have not seen it since. Sometimes the truth lies just out of reach. And sometimes it seems so far away it could be down at the bottom of a well. In high school, I kind of went on a spiritual journeys and took my time practicing a few different religions, and one of them was Wicca. I had an altar set up in my room, but I felt like I really wasn't getting it, whatever there is to get, and felt like maybe if I went out and practiced in nature, then something would click. I waited until the summer solstice packed up all of my stuff and headed to a dam near the edge of my neighborhood. The dam was owned by the state but it was tucked into the woods at the end of a cull D-Sack filled W families that didn't have kids. So no one ever really went there except for me. So I'm in the woods by the dam. I have a small fire going, two candles lit, and a pretty fancy knife called an athame when used for Wicca purposes. It's dark, and I'm chanting out of this stupid little book my mom got me when I hear a weird noise. I figure it's just the wind, and I wasn't really scared because I'm in the part of Connecticut that doesn't have much wildlife, so I keep going. Then I hear from behind me, Oh, dude, holy shit, it scares the life out of me, so I turn around and scream, which in turn makes the poor group of teens behind me drop their shit and book it back towards civilization. Turns out it was a pretty popular spot for kids to go and smoke weed or drink away from prying eyes, and I had totally ruined whatever party they were trying to have because they left. Behind a foam cooler filled with ice and beer. So if there's a story in here about kids finding a witch in the woods, hi, that was me, and I'm sorry. My wife, daughter, and I went camping over the Labor Day holiday weekend. We both took off work Friday and headed off to meet up with a group of friends who were camping with their kids and dogs. They were already out there and had found a nice campsite that was big enough for our group. Just a spa off of a service road with a primitive fire pit and not an official campground. In total, there were ten of us. 
seven adults and three tweens. We were camping out in an area south of Mount Rainier, Washington, just outside of the park boundary off of a road that would lead you to a locked gate that enters the park. We knew at the end of the road was a locked gate because all the cars that went that way only to flip back around because it was only accessible to National Park staff. We set up our camp in a flat area that would fit the two tents that they had raked up for us prior to our arrival. It was a bit closer to the road than their tents were. They had set up their tents much further back. Once camp was set up, we hung out with our friends while the kids played and had dinner around the fire. Just friends hanging out having drinks hanging around the fire. And all was great. We stayed up pretty late and everyone was getting tired and cold. Slowly everyone faded off to their tents and to bed. My wife was cold and went to warm up in the car and then proceeded to fall asleep in the car. Now my daughter and I are the last two awake out by the fire and she decided that she wanted to sleep in the car where it was warm with my wife. I agreed that was okay after I attempted to wake my wife up and get her to come to the tent to go to sleep and she was out cold. So I watched her go to her tent and grab her blanket and her sleeping bag for my wife as it was cold and I had turned the car off now. She grabbed the stuff, zipped up the tent and off to the car she went. I stayed up a little bit longer by the fire and must have dozed off momentarily because when I woke back up, I was sitting in a camping chair with only glowing embers and it was pitch black, only the coals of the fire glowing red, glowing in the now dead fire. I got up and found my way to the tent in the pitch blackness of the night, climbed in and went to sleep. I was exhausted and fell asleep as soon as I hit that sleeping bag. Around 3.30 a.m., I woke up to my daughter's tent kind of rustling and what sounded like two female voices talking really softly. I listened intently, trying to hear what they were saying, but I couldn't really understand anything. There were no real discernible words coming out just mumbling. Then silence. I figured it was just my wife and daughter finding their way to my daughter's tent, not wanting to wake me up by being loud. Figured my wife was just going to sleep in the tent with my daughter. However, now I am up because my back is killing me because the air mattress is now flat and airless. As I lay there in what I can only describe as dead silence, I heard cracking like sticks, breaking or popping, so I assumed it was the fire still hanging on somehow. Then I hear something moving around towards the front of my tent, and it stops. Something is directly outside the front of my tent. I can feel it and sense it. So I slowly raise up to a seated position and hear something breathe in and exhale a large breath. This is the heaviest breath I've ever heard, and it was followed but what I can only describe is a very loud huff, as if from a horse or cow or some very large animal. I sat there frozen with fear, trying to rationalize what it was I was hearing, and it stopped. All I heard was the one deep inhale and exhale and that huff sound. Then everything went silent. What followed next was an owl hooting a little ways off back from behind the area of our friend's tents. And after that, I heard nothing else. No sounds at all, no fire popping or sticks cracking, nothing. I stayed there sitting up frozen with fear for what seemed like forever until I could tell the sun was coming up and that it was light out now. 
I muster up the courage and go outside and check the ground in front of my tent. And that's when I noticed my daughter's tent, unzipped and empty. I panic and rush to the car, and there they are in the car, sound asleep. I see not a single track, nothing around our tents, and everyone else is about 20 to 30 yards away in their tents. Now I am freaking the hell out. Who did I hear talking? Who was skulking around the tent? What the hell was that breathing in front of me and huffing outside my tent? What opened my daughter's tent zipper? Surely there is an explanation, and I sit out there for at least an hour, getting the fire going as our friends begin to get up and move about. They slowly make their way to the fire, and I immediately start asking them where were the dogs all night. Did you let them out? Were they sniffing around my tent? Did any of you wake up and were talking or moving around, and did you hear that owl? Nope, no, and no, they all replied. I have no idea what that was talking softly and what was breathing and huffing right in front of me. What the hell opened my daughter's tent in the night? I watched her zip it shut and go to the car. That breath and huff was so scary it left me frozen with fear and I didn't move at all after hearing it and sat there as silent as possible, not even wanting to breathe. One of the scariest moments of my life is something large and unknown in the darkness, directly in front of me, and the only thing separating us is a thin tent wall. This all happened Friday into Saturday morning, and we still have another night here. I decided that I am not sleeping in the tents, and neither are my wife and daughter tonight or ever again. The rest of the day went great hanging out and having breakfast, going into town, Ashford, and going for a hike down the road to Lake. Cora Lake, basically just camping and hanging. It's getting later now, and although the sun is out and blue skies, the canopy in our camping area is thick, and even at the brightest point in the day, was still pretty dark compared to the road area. As we are hanging out, we hear woo, oops, way off in the distance, and we are thinking, what is that? More time passes by, and now a few of the people that were there when we arrived at camp have left. Just seven of us left, and two of the seven were pretty much always in their tent, so that left five of us hanging out by the fire. That's when dusk crept in, and my buddy began working on dinner for all of us, as we sat there from off in the woods between us and the park boundary towards the creek. We heard these blood-curdling screams and wood type howls that everyone heard. We all stopped talking and fell silent, and we all began to ask each other what was that. We heard this about four, five times. It sounded like a woman being murdered in a howling type of sound. Then came a few tree knocks from the same general direction. Is someone messing with us out here? Everyone was thinking. Keep in mind, it is a holiday weekend. So tons of campers within a 15-mile radius. So I called my buddy over, and he hadn't heard the screams because he'd been cooking on a skillet and had a propane lantern in front of him and behind. Him and they were loud. We stand there and listen and don't hear it. We decided we would do a tree knockback closer to the road that divided us from the area we heard these vocalizations and knocks. That is when we heard it. I got a chill down my spine to my core, and, and the hairs raised up on my arms and neck. We both looked at one another and at the same time asked, Did you hear that? 
I asked him what he heard, and we had both heard what we can only describe as a monkey or gorilla sound like you would hear on Discovery Channel or something. It was like, oh, oh, ah, ah. Ah, ah, sound. It was far off but deep and rumbling, sounding unlike what you hear on TV. I want to say it was directed or focused at us. I only say that because the other people were sitting behind us maybe only ten feet away, and they didn't hear it, only us. Now we're freaking the hell out, and nobody is sleeping in their tents. We don't want to say anything and freak everyone else, because at this point they're already on edge. I have been hiking and camping here in the Pacific Northwest for almost twenty years now, and have never experienced this while I was camping out with family and friends. I am 39 years old and from the East Coast, and have been shot at and chased growing up in the ghetto. I am a former U.S. Army infantryman who has spent countless nights in only a sleeping bag in a dugout sleeping hole and in tents. I am now afraid to ever sleep in a tent again after this weekend. I have never really ever felt fear like I did that first night in all my time in the forests out here except when I was a kid in the woods back home. Tenston, British Columbia, Canada, on the Sterling Creek Logging Road, around 3.30 in the morning. There were two logging trucks about half a kilometer ahead of me. It was very dusty being late summer, and I was in a pickup truck. I was cresting the hill where I could barely see the logging truck's taillights. By then I was maybe 300 yards, give or take. I thought I'd seen something that crossed the road behind the last truck and me. As I got closer, something rolled down on the high side of the bank into the ditch. I was about 15 to 20 feet from what I thought was a bear cub. This little thing comes out of the ditch, all confused looking at the headlights of the pickup truck. It was on all four legs at the time. I just stared at it and thought that it was a weird-looking bear cub. Here's where it gets strange. The little guy gets up on two legs and starts walking a couple of feet, looking from one side of the road to the other side, from where he rolled down. I got a good look at it. The ears were not of any bear cub. Its nose was close to the face like a human's. You could see the skin through the hair. I shut the truck off and opened the door and stood on the door, jammed looking at it. Something moved from the high side of the road, landed, grabbed the little guy, and jumped off to the bottom side into the dark. It was a massive two-legged beast that had strength that no bear was capable of doing, never mind that it was on two legs. I'm 47 years old, born and raised in Princeton. I'm a hunter. I've killed lots of four-legged animals. I tell everybody now that we are not at the top of the food chain. All I can say is that if you think you're going to kill one of them, you're playing with something that's not going to lose. Call me a liar. Call me crazy. It doesn't matter to me.